Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of corn, the show of mezcal, the show of San Diego, and so much more. Today's guest is the incredible Cesar Sandoval from Abasolo Mexican Corn Whiskey and Nixta Licor de Elote. Two amazing projects that are all centered around Mexico and centered around corn. You know, Cesar and I have been nerding out about corn on Instagram. These messages are getting very, very scientific. So it's diving into the chat with him, talking about drums, talking about music, talking about his hospitality background, and an incredible thing. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Cesar Sandoval. The the enclosing of, of COVID, the not being able to travel, things like that makes you get in your own head a little bit more and makes you think of things now. Some For some people, that's very challenging, and especially if you're dealing with anxiety or depression, that's actually the opposite of what you want. You want to keep your mind busy. Um, and, and, you know, I think I've, I've been guilty of that as well, feeling, you know, blue or, or the sadness. But my goals have shifted in the sense of what's important in life. What after all of this that I do, whether it's drumming or brand ambassador or or all of these things, you know, it's not, oh, how many, you know, the amount of friends is is great and the amount of connections. I really love connecting people just like you do. But my goals have shifted to kind of what's more important in life. It's more of how many people have I impacted or, or empowered, I should say. How many people can I lift? before I leave. Um, and um, I think it's something that we all struggle with. And how do you empower people? Well, sometimes you may look at, you know, your 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 idols or your fans, vice versa, whoever you're looking up to or is listening to you. How do you impact them? How did they impact you? And some some people can get carried away and say, I can't do that. Like, he's too great. He's too cool or she's too cool or she's too great. But it, it, that's the struggle. That's the whole point of getting there. So... I think for me, my goals have shifted of family uh, is more important. And whether that be mother, sister, fiance, or whoever, I consider a lot of my friends family. Um, I really do. That's part of being in the hospitality industry. You treat everyone like it's your house. And if you don't, you shouldn't be in hospitality, right? Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm the same way. I love connecting people. I love putting on a show, whether that be drumming, bartending, or whatever. But I want to know how many people I affected to inspire them and empower them to do other things. You, you know, it's interesting as I think, well, I completely agree. There is There are chapters of maturity, I think, once you come into what you might consider, whether it's emotional maturity or stability or professional maturity or stability. But this seems like, not that you, you, you weren't trying to connect people, but this is this a recent thing that you've surmised is that really what this whole thing's about, whether that's life, whether it's career, it's really about how we affect other people. Yeah. And I think those... Those points that you make uh, are always achieved with the darkest in times. Like you have to go through something in bad, like something bad, whether it's a breakup, a death, 
COVID or whatever it may be, something bad has to happen in order for something good to happen. It's just, it's just nature. It's weird, right? I used the term uh, brutal balance yesterday, the, the other day with my friend Emma. She's working on a new book. She's a great, great woman. I've known her for years. She's still in Austin. She wrote this great Mescal book and she's a writer. So I took, I took that as a compliment because I'm like the, the brutal balance, the immediate brutal balance of life is crazy because you will never, you can get beaten over the head with it, Cesar. Just to your point, right? But I guess the thing is what in those darkest of days for you, whether you, you mentioned feeling blue, what is the thing that really can pull you out of that? Man, it can be so many. I mean, you know, for some of us will be music and, and, and maybe a movie gives you, but it's, it's a sense of escapism and inspiration. Like some, will it, whether it's the tough dad mentality, whether it's going out to the middle of the desert and maybe, you know, tripping out or getting as drunk as possible. Like you need to, that's something that is individual to every person. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of hard to, to really say, here's, you know, the cookie cutter sheet of how to get out of it, because I can never understand when someone with massive depression or someone that suicides or something like that, I've never gotten that close, no, nor could I say, I you know, I understand that, but I empathize. And um, yeah, it's just difficult. I think every, every person has their own thing of what they need to do. Right. And um, you particularly, I would imagine music is a, a nice plus safe harbor for you. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I mean, the drums or or guitar or whatever will always be there, and it's a form of expression. Maybe I can't tell someone I hate them, I love them, I'm sad, but I can do it through music and let that anger out or that frustration. And you know, they don't judge you. It's just it's just music, music, yeah. and you can just write your own language through it. It's so. Like pets, man. Same thing with yeah. animals, right? Exactly. Yeah, unconstitutional love. Like they'll always be there for you. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, so. This is the thing I find really interesting is you're a first generation Mexican American. The folks and, and, and would love to hear about this, but you were you were born in San Diego or were no, you in California? No, I was born in El Paso, Texas. So I'm Ah a yes. I'm a Tejano. Yes, okay. I love it. Well, you know, I was not born here, but I lived here about twenty years. I I want to discuss something with you because last time I was in Ciudad de Juarez, I was in the it was the downtown central. The I forgot. There's multiple places. It wasn't the place with the statue. It was just like the, where the markets are. Probably like El Centro or yeah, or Centro. Yeah, I think so. So I was sitting there eating eating taco, drinking a Coca Cola, and it was pretty nice out for Texas, you know, Texas like weather, or whatever. And I realized that everything that had ever been conveyed about Mexico and Juarez seemed to be inaccurate. Like, you know what I mean? That it's such a nasty place or it's a dirty place or it's a dangerous place. Well, now all these things might be true, but there was some real peace happening there. And do you, how do you feel about how sometimes Mexico is represented? In I think it's, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder, for sure. I, I agree. And I mean, same thing's happening now. You know, media is saying one thing. People are saying, no, I'm out here. It's all construed, but yes, Juarez has usually been one of the most dangerous uh, cities uh, in the world. And then you have El Paso right over. That's been one of the safest in the world. Like you have like top, top five safest and then you have like top five most dangerous. Um, 
for me, I think you, again, you kind of create your own path. Yes, there's some times where it's unfortunate that some innocent bystander or you get unlucky, but you put yourself in those sticky situations, right? Mm-hmm. So same thing happens here. I'm in San Diego now and I go to Tijuana maybe, I don't know, three times a week or so, whether it's just to eat and drink, whether it's to take my dogs to the vet or do dental work or whatever it may be. And so people are like, oh man, I really would love to go. Or people reach out and said, like, come on over. Like, I'll take you. I'm, I'm driving over there. Obviously this is pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, but, um, but people are like, isn't it dangerous? Oh my God, you go there? Like, what are you doing? Be careful. And it's like, like guys, I'm not going over there to like, you know, get buy drugs or get, you know, I, I'm not going to put myself in that situation. I'm going to a restaurant to go visit friends or, you know, dental work. So, um, whether and and I got a message too. Hey, be careful. TJ has the highest homicides, but those homicides are are narcos. Narcos are not going away until we legalize all drugs, which is a completely different subject. Um, but it's just the nature of the game. But I'm not going to go out there and put myself in a dark alley or in in a sticky situation. So I think it's sad that people still see it like that. That they still remember. 2006, 2008, I think Quarez was 2004. And what happened is once 2004 happened and the whole narco situation and the war against drugs, well, people needed to escape there. So they came to TJ and then 2006 happened here and then TJ became, and it's just these narcos just kind of traveling. But for the most part, that's the fight between them. It's not like they're killing innocent bystanders just to do it. You know, well, that's every- the thing. I, I'm glad that you can provide a little nuance to that because sometimes we think of things so largely that just stereotypically, you know, but so going back to this thing, you, you're, a musician, and I'm a musician. We got so much we could talk about music, but I don't want to bore people half to death. But <laughs> does this, when growing up in El Paso, was it a musical family? Did you're you the first of of the drummers in the in the house? Yeah, no, actually, no, no, no music in my family. Um, my my grandma. Every time I would go to Juarez, my grandma had this guitar, but it was always missing a string or whatever, and you know I didn't have anyone that could teach me. So um, I have I have three or four singers, but they were never like professional singers. Like when you're at a family gathering of mine, everyone's like play the jams and let's sing, like yeah. let's jam out. And so they're all singing to the song. Or one of my uncles plays really good guitar, so he's always playing the guitar. Um, but no one really to to teach me. So. Um, what happened is I was living in San Diego. I was about uh, probably nine years old and I would go to the park every day. And one day, one of my coaches that was playing um, that would teach me basketball and soccer and all the other things, I saw him um, I saw him playing guitar and he was ripping. I mean, he if I can, we call him Andy Van Halen because he <laughs> rips Eddie Van Halen. That is his idol. He's got the PV guitar, yeah. like the whole thing. Um, and the guy's an amazing, amazing guitarist. His name's Andy Quinn. I think right now he's playing for Frankie J and Baby Bash, uh, some R&B artists. Um, but, uh, but he rips. I mean, he's amazing. And so I saw him playing and I was like, whoa, can you teach me? I have a guitar, which was my grandma's guitar that now my mom had. So sure enough, he restrung it, whatever. And we would, he would close the rec center at 9 p.m. And at 9.02, once everyone left, 9.05, okay, you can't tell anyone we're here. And so you just start, you know, the E, the A, the C, the chords. And then it's like, I was really into Nirvana at the time. So I wanted to learn all the Nirvana songs, which are great beginner songs in general. And so that just kind of inspired me to play guitar. And I went from there. And after years and years of playing guitar, 
um, I was more of a rhythm guitarist more than a, a lead. And so we had, a, I had several bands and in one of the bands, um, the drummer would never make it. Like I'm stuck at work again. I'm stuck at work again. Not going to make it. And you see a full drum set. I'm dropping the guitar and I'm going to go play like, <laughs> you're like Will Ferrell and Step Brothers. You know? like, I'm just going to go bang them. And, um, and so, yeah, we, we, I started playing drums. My best friend was a bass player, which I taught him his chords. He eventually just surpassed me and plays like flea. Mm. Um, and so we just started jamming out 16, 17 hours a day. I mean, we'd wake Ooh. up. Yeah, we'd wake up probably 8, 9 a.m. We had a barn that was pretty um, uh, well soundproofed. Mm -hmm. And we would just play. Like, we wouldn't even really stop to have a snack or eat breakfast or anything. Uh, you know, 10, 11. How old were you talking when you this were? This was now, I was probably in high school, like 10th grade. Okay. Yeah, like 9th, 10th grade. And so we just played there like 67, like for a whole summer. And we just both got really good just by practicing and letting loose. And we would just have these jams of Pink Floyd, sort of Red Hot Chili Peppers, Jimi Hendrix, like this little hybrid of those three. Yeah. And it didn't stop. It would go from one jam to another jam to another jam. And it just would not stop. It wouldn't be like, okay, let's try that again. It would just, and we'd record it. Because I, I I loved those days. I miss those days. Now mm -hmm. at forty years old, but I still make my days. <laughs> don't don't. I, I not that old, Cesar. But no, age is just a number. It, it is just a number. Absolutely. Did you? Because I know you studied international business and stuff, which is you know taking that straight narrow path. I've done the same thing, but there was a period for a while where I was like, dude, I just want to make it. I just want to get a record deal. Was it? Was that part of your plan too? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it started innocent of just wanting to play. Then once we had, um, you know, my, my little bands, basically, we're just playing for family or house parties or whatever. That got really fun. And then once I started writing my own material um, with a current band that I have, which is called Empire, um, with an A-A-E-M-P-I-R-E, then we started writing some really cool stuff and we're like, man, this is like, like people were responding to it. People liked it. Like we really love you. And we we're just like, okay, I think this is something we can do. So we wrote one album. We got really good um, feedback from it. We wrote album number two. And then, you know, we had just booked, I think uh, it was a total of six shows. We had just played the music box, music box here in San Diego, which is a great venue. And it was like, great. Like, I think this is going to be sort of the year that we like do a mini tour and, you know, rent the van and do that whole thing. And we always thought like, we want to make it and get a record deal, but we wouldn't mind losing money or cutting even by doing this tour. We just need to do it. And I think it's still something that I need to do before I die. Like I'm still going to do it. Um, and so COVID happened and we had to cancel all the shows, but we had Del Mar Fair, uh, you know, Soda Bar, Belly Up. We had all these, these things lined up and shows in LA and then COVID happened. So right now my also not only can I not visit bought my favorite bars and restaurants and travel to go like spread the love of my East, but I also can't, play music for people like live live i've been watching documentaries and i'm just like god damn when am i gonna feel that music it's just tearing me apart it's crazy right like i there because there have been some some good they, I, this was still a little bit before covid but when i kind of started to watch it but there was the stooges doc that jim jarmusch did which is fucking odd give me danger i think it was called it, but but all these i know that feeling right where you see this like the food fighters doc that came out a, a while ago but i watch it and i'm like Oh, I'm these four fucking walls are claustro. You know, I'm becoming very claustrophobic because it's that that feeling, that inspiration that you can only get by playing shows like that. Yeah, and Dave Grohl is one of my 
I, I think that I don't get like starstruck. Like if I see a celebrity, I'd be like, whatever, I don't care. But Dave Grohl's like my man crush. I'm like, you're just good at everything. Like you're a drummer, you're a guitarist, you can do everything. So I'd probably get a little starstruck with him. But yeah, we just saw, I just saw the, the Bee Gees documentary, which was- Oh, fantastic. I want to see that. Was, how was it? It's really good. It's really good. Um, and so, yeah, just all these documentaries come out. I'm like, God, it's just, they're just teasing me completely, but I need to watch them. It's just, I couldn't. Yeah. It's, it, it's you were talking about escapism. I yeah. think that movies are a great way to, to do escapism. You know, I think it's one of the more, most, most powerful things, but all right. So this is the thing I kind of like about you is that this creative element is also perfectly paired with this hospitable hospitality element. And, you know, I was reading up on you earlier and I, I never got to make drinks from my, my grandma was a drunk. All right. So just anybody that's listening, she was, she seemed like 10 feet tall when she would talk to me when she was drunk, but I never got the chance to make drinks for my family and stuff. My mom doesn't drink. And, but I hear that that's kind of how you cut your teeth on the hospitality and doing small little gatherings and making stuff for the family. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's funny that my memories, my most fond memories. So my mother, um, so first generation, my sisters and my mom come from Ciudad Juarez. Um, they, my mom still doesn't really speak English or gets really embarrassed to, to try to speak it. Both my sisters do speak English now. Um, and so when we were at the house, it was like, okay, make, you know, we're going to make pico de gallo, carnitas and whatever. And so, okay, I'll make the pico de gallo. Okay. I'll do this. And everyone just took their things and music was bumping and, you know, we're just like hanging. Those are the happy times. So it was always like, people are coming over and we're going to get food. And we usually at that point, you know, it's not like I was in the hospitality industry. So, you know, they're drinking wine, beer, and maybe like shitty tequila, whatever it may be at the time. Um, but that was the fun part about it was hosting people. And, and it's so funny that, you know, then our Mexican family comes over, you know, we eat and then it's like, okay, you guys stay there. We're going to clean up. And I was like, no, we're all going to help you. And it's like, no, 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 no. And so then everyone's in the kitchen and it's just like, it's just what we do. We'd go fishing. We'd fry the fish that day and have like a, a sitting outside. So everything always revolved around food. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a sweets person. I get it from my mom, but yeah, everything, I guess I cut my teeth there and that was like my happy place. And my first job was as a host at a fancy restaurant, Chili's. Oh yeah, love it. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and it went from there. I was hooked. I mean, I was really trying to get a job. I needed to get a job in general, but I was getting a job to buy a drum set was the original, was the original plan. And then hospitality just, I love making people happy. I like that instant gratitude of, of people just making them happy. So I started as a host and then busser eventually came where, where I am now. And it's funny because when, before COVID, actually, if I go to a restaurant, sometimes I can't relax because I'm just judging everything. <laughs> I'm like, ah, music's not playing right now, or that's the same song. And like, I'm just judging everything. And sometimes I just need to like, it's out of my control. I can't say anything. It's, um, it, are you like that typically? Were you, whether it's music or hospitality, are you really, really detail oriented? In a, in a sense, yes. Not to where it'll. I am a little bit compulsive. I wouldn't go OCD, but I am a little bit com- compulsive and things like that. And some sometimes I just gotta let go. I can overthink it, but it won't drive me mad. It won't ruin my night if that if that makes any sense. It's not yeah. anything like that. Um, but I will be like, um, hey, can you pray? Like when I was at least when it was uh, when I was working. My, I always had the iPad here because, you know, it stops after a certain amount of songs. And I was always like, music's off. If music's off, I can't work. Like, uh-huh. my is just not functioning. So if I go to a restaurant and their music's not playing, 
it's awkward silence for me. And it's not about losing the person in front of me. It's just, I need that ambient noise for me to like survive. I can't, I can't work without music. I can't really do anything without music. It's kind of weird. I, I like that. I, I sleep with a fan every night, not blown on me, but I need that noise. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, the, the one thing I, I used to listen to CDs. Remember Cesar when there were CDs? I do remember CDs. I have my, it's funny when you ask someone what their favorite album is and people are like, like albums, like, what are you talking about? Like I'm on Spotify. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's a weird, I actually didn't even think about that. The way you, you kind of like taxonomize music and stuff. But I remember, you know, Columbia BMG music days, I got vulgar display of power, which is top five metal records of all time, but by Pantera. And to show you how much I've listened to music, I slept all night with vulgar display of power on repeat. And I had the t- terrible dreams. <laughs> it was fucking. That's, that's the more impressive part that you can sleep with a metal song playing in your background. But but I get you know I get it that there's background noise that has to be something that kind of keeps moving you forward like that. And so you, you know so I see these two paths right. So you, you're developing quite. You got a really lovely resume in terms of being a mixologist or bartender, however you want to phrase it. But at some point, did you say maybe I should take the straight and narrow path? You know, maybe someone along the way said, well, are you really going to be able to make a living as a musician, which parents often say? Oh, yeah. Well, my the the hosting is like oh, my mom's like, oh, good that you're you know, you're getting a job. And we would pay me and my sisters, you know, we would pay 30 percent of our paycheck to my mom. We always paid rent, even from 15, like even if we weren't paying. So we've always paid my mom. My mom's never really she's helped out she's a single mother but she's a hustler so she's all right rents due like what's going on and we're like we're just 15. Um, <laughs> but um but um you know i think it started that way for her like okay and then are, you're going to school right like schools schools number one schools number one and and i get it because now i preach that to anyone like education education um but i never i said i'm gonna do international business and the whole reason why I chose international business specialized in Western Europe was because I'm going to own a restaurant in Spain or Italy. That's mm-hmm. my, That was my goal. And that's what I worked for. And then the more and more you work at restaurants, the more you're like, maybe I don't want to own a restaurant. You know, like this is tough. Like everyone wants to own a restaurant because that's where you take your first date. That's where you go for anniversaries. That's where you go for important business meetings. That's where things happen. Like, it's not like, hey, you want to come over to my backyard and have some drinks when I'm trying to impress you? No, we're going to go to a restaurant. So that started happening and people think, ah, maybe I'll just open a restaurant. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not that easy. Like, you've never even worked in a restaurant. And so at a certain point, that happened. And same with music. But once you like, man, I might have something here. Like, I think I'm kind of good at it. And you're getting that feedback. You start realizing this is doable. Again, with music, I know like how hard it is and what a doggy dog world it is out there. And so for that, it's more of a passion project. I've accepted that now that it's now passion. I still want to go on tour, even if I have to invest my own money in it. Um, And as far as restaurant slash hospitality, I never, I never knew. I never, I always knew I was never going to get out of it. Yeah. I just, and I think my mom with, you know, the award or the article write up or whatever, 
that she started accepting it. She now accepts it fully. But I think it was kind of like, so when are you going to finish school? And when <laughs> are you a real job? But once she started seeing like, oh, my son's actually really good at this. Like she kind of started seeing it just through what everyone else was seeing of my resume building up. So it's, it's, it's incredible, man. Some of these similarities. So my, I also grew up to a single mother. Uh, never met my father. Are you and that? Is that the same scenario for you? Yeah, I never met my father. Nor yeah. seen a picture. I wouldn't, like, if he was sitting next to me, I wouldn't know. Yeah, I did have the, I guess, the unfortunate uh, in- incident, if you will, of seeing a picture of him. And I'm like, fuck. Because, <laughs> you know, I know kind of how I look for my mom. Kind of like some similarities. But my dad, I'm like, ah, shit. Because if I age like that, I really need to take You're care right, of myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, all right, so this is all kind of making sense. And I, I want to ask you, you know, as a first generation Mexican American, is your passion for, how about this? So we seem to think gringos in the States, because obviously you and I are heavily into Mexico. We seem to think that there's one unified community of Mexicans living in the States. And how accurate would that statement be, Cesar? It would be almost as accurate as saying every Mexican's the same in every state of Mexico. It just doesn't, <laughs> just doesn't happen. It's, it's, you have it's, your Tejanos, you have your New Mexico Mexicans, you have your California Mexicans, you have your New York Mexicans. They're all different, which makes it beautiful. It would suck if we were all the same. I mean, oh, you're Mexican, I know everything about you. Like, yeah. same with the uh, culture. So, no, completely, not completely different, but really different. It's You can't bundle them up. That's like saying all Americans or white people are all the same. That would just not be true and not really, you know? Yeah. I just, it, it, that's, yeah, I think. Well, that's- it, it, so why I ask that is, can there then be at least because we're going to start talking about the, the beautiful agriculture of Mexico, you know, but that can there be a singular Mexican pride? Yes. But within that singular Mexican pride, people will want to split off because at, at this day and age, you, everyone, everyone in the world thinks they're unique. I mean, it, it, oh, they yeah. are unique in their own sense. So you can unify that big group. And that happened here as well with Julio Cesar Chavez. No, 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 no. We're not Mexicans. We're Chicanos. Okay. So now the Chicanos split up. Mexicans are saying like, dude, you're Mexican. Chicanos are like, no, we're Chicanos. Okay. So then that happens. And now it's happening again. I'm not a Latino. I'm not a Latina. I'm Latina X. Mm. Like, guys, we, we can't unify here, but Latina, la, the Latina X thing for me or generate that doesn't, it's just, it's just a way of the she, her, he, them, which I totally get. But the Latinx is again, from Latinx, there's going to be a Latin Y because I'm not Latinx, I'm not Latino. Like, it'll just keep splitting off because people want to be their own. You, you said something interesting. We all are the same and that we're not the same, that we're, we're unique, you know? Knowing that, because as we talk kind of about the Abasolo stuff here in Montalobos, you seem to be pretty adept at operating in social media, you know, capturing things away. Do you find that that has become more difficult as one, people are in a, a vacuum chamber of emotion right now, but also because it seems like just on the handle that something will really set someone off? Yeah, definitely. I think... Um what it was a struggle for me to to actually get the content that i'm putting up whether it's the nice picture or the cool video or the that was always that was a, a struggle for me to record everything i do 
and and post that because I'm more of live in the moment. Mm. At a concert, you won't see me recording a video of the concert. I'm going to be immersed in that concert. Plus, when I show you, look, I went to that concert, it's like crappy audio, crappy video. Why? I don't want to see that. Like, so that's how I am. I said, I, you know, I, in, a, in a concert, I'm going to be here. I don't want to take pictures or anything. Maybe before at the tailgate or after, but I'm, you're not going to see me like, oh my God, this is my favorite song and hear me singing and not really. Mm-hmm. So that was the same with me now. But once I got this job, you know, or, or you start realizing this digital content needs to get better. So I started practicing. I got really good at it. And then you know, the sensitivity of Black Lives Matter, of COVID, of everything you may do, you can't post a picture without a mask or can I? And so it's a sensitive subject. So for me, um, I take the advice of my mom. Si no tienes nada bonito que decir, no lo digas. Like if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it. I take that same sort of ideology where it's it's not saying nice, but I don't even want to put myself in that situation. Like wear a mask or whatever. It's like, guys, I was alone or that was like two years ago. I don't even want to get in, into that situation. So yes, I have to really be aware of what I post and also the 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 actual comments or whatever the description is to not be, to be applicable to everyone. I really don't like to offend anyone. There's a part of me that says, I don't care. I don't give a fuck. Like I'm a sort of rebel. Yeah. But then there's another part of me that says, no, I really don't. I really... What hurts the most is if someone's like disappointed in me or angry at me. I'm like, damn it. I get more pleasure out of someone's happiness or someone's thing. I'm a giver. So mm-hmm. if I see someone like bummed out because of me, I'm like, damn it. Like I screwed up. Yeah. Like disappointing people. Ooh. Yeah. That's the, that's the someone being angry at you. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't care if someone's angry at me. I mean, yeah. I, could, I could care less. Well, is it make it so because the, the, I think that the account you have now is kind of brand laden, right? Well, obviously, but yeah. can, can you even have a separate uh, persona now that is I more could. you? No, I could. I don't think they want me to be something different or separate persona. If and and they are completely supportive of any political views that I may have or anything like that. Uh, they just said, you know, if you want to do your political view or your very personal thing please get a different Instagram. And, you know, because right now, everything I do as any brand ambassador, I represent Abasola Mixta. So, I mean, the the reason why I got here is because I was never over intoxicated. I'd never burned bridges. That's just not who I am. So that's what got me here. So I'm not going to start doing it now, but I understand the worry that, you know, some of these people were posting something and they're gone. Celebrities posting a, a rant or something and they're like, you're out, you're out. And they just start losing things. So, I don't feel like I'm always worried of like, oh, I shouldn't put that because I don't really do anything improper. I think I'm pretty okay. But um, but I don't I I'm actually adding my my touch to that, which is really great, which they're really open to it. Casa Lumbre is fantastic. Abasolo, they said, we love your rock star attitude. We love your drumming. We love that you're a musician. We love you. Like incorporate it into the brand. So or or vice versa. And you know, I was really into agave and the and the the Mexican world, which I still am, but now I have to be, you know, the corn king and I have to own it. <laughs> you have to know everything about masa and corn and maíz and tal simple. And now that's what I'm getting into, and that's gonna be my focus. And you know, it's cool to see now that, you know, oh, you're the guy from Abasolo. Like I'm like, okay, I'm doing my job, you know. People are 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 thinking of me that way or as a musician, they know. They know my life. That's that's a good thing. I'm I'm doing the right job and I'm inspiring people. Is it is there a line? I I I pretty much will talk about any any aspect of my life. And if someone asks that is, you know, I don't always volunteer it. But is there a line for you where it is too far? 
that you simply don't want that known about you? Never. No, I think um, I'm the quite actually the opposite. I love when these real talks come out or these questions. And that was something that, um, so I have alopecia. So I love when someone asks, you know, hey, you don't like have eyebrows or you don't have hair. Like, what's the deal with that? Rather than them thinking and thinking, and that's all they can think about as I'm behind the bar talking to them when they can just ask. Like, I would just love for someone to ask, you know? And so, you know, I have had, I think, with with that with this look that I have, I've confused a lot of people. You know, people think I have cancer or whatever it may be. And I love that people are like, hey, you know, I do you have cancer or what is it? Like it doesn't offend me. If I got offended easily, why what am I doing behind a bar? Yeah. That's so a good, that's a good point. Yeah. So um, so no, I actually love the questions of that. That's just one aspect of what you can see, but I also love like, you know, the personal questions of like, hey, how, you know, X, Y, and Z. I'm, I'm an open book completely. There's never nothing that I don't like to. And that may be um, um, not a negative thing, but maybe I'm giving out too many secrets. But that's that's for me, that's not how I look at it. Some other one may be like, hey, why are you telling them your secret of how to look good or be better or whatever? It's like, so everyone can be better and look better or whatever it may be. Like, that's my, my empower. Like, I want to empower people yeah. and Fire them, not really be like, yes, I'm this popular guy and I'm not going to tell you anything. Like, it's that's, that's stupid. Protecting information is fucking pointless, you know? Because mm-hmm. you, I would learn, I want to learn from you, you know? We're, I, I don't care if I'm older or I've done this or that. Like, there's going to be something I can learn from you. And you got to treat every single person that way. And I, but I do want to just real quick, because did you ever listen to Smashing Pumpkins? Yeah. So there was this thing, and and because you, you talk about treading that line, and that you're really an open book. So I was reading an interview. This was years ago, but I still this moment I remember. I was reading an interview. Billy Corgan was talking about the melancholy and the infinite sadness. That master. I don't think it's a masterpiece, but nonetheless, it's two fucking discs worth of music. And so Flood produced it anyway. He said, "I opened up so much that I felt I had been pierced, and that the media had been able to see me too clearly, and thus the." following records he wrote different lyrics you could feel how detached it was yeah i mean and that's that's the thing if you're a completely open book and there's no mystery to you or you, you've you've extracted all the information well you know you've squeezed all the juice out of the guy i don't need it anymore that's a you good, yeah that's a great point all the creative juice right yeah exactly so i i get it to a certain extent that the mystery is what you know that's with you know with with relationships that's the beginning of it that mystery that the catch that's the whole fun part so i get to a certain extent but if someone were to ask me something to to extract information because they want to know i don't mind yeah what's well, good so you know here's something i i want to thank you and the casa lumbre team lovely folks and who have built wonderful friendships with over the years i don't think i would have started nixtamalizing corn at home and making my own masa to sell if it wasn't for y'all and this Abasolo project, you know? Yeah. And so I want to know when did you first get into corn? So it's, it's funny. I talk about this a lot. It's, I mean, the short answer as my childhood, for sure. This is kind of the reason why I, I chose to represent Abasolo Nixta. Um, I actually, when I tasted the juice, it, it was not in these bottles. I said, like, I don't want to taste them in the bottle. I don't want to see the bottle. I don't even want to, because I want to just taste it for the juice. Mm. And as soon as I drank Abasola, I was like, what is this whiskey? Like, 
has so much Mexico in it, if that makes any sense. I'm like, what is it? And so, you know, you start investigating and then you taste Nixa and it just, boom, childhood. Like for me, it's nostalgia in a glass. And it took me to my grandma and my mom making atole and champurrado and all these things. So for me, childhood. But at the same time, we use it so much that we overlook it. Mm. Like we, it's so integrated in our lives that it's just, yeah, it's like, it's corn, relax. Like, what are you, why are you overthinking it? Right. And, uh, but then you realize like, well, tamales wouldn't exist without nixtamalization. Like these tacos I'm eating wouldn't exist without nixtamalization. Like all these things, you know, tostadas, I love aguachile and ceviche. All those things would not exist without nixtamalization. And the fact that nixtamalization, you know, we're, we're trying to hone in on, you know, we know how you do it, you know, lye, ash in the water, alkaline, but Back then, how did you know that that would create that chemical reaction? Huh. Incredible to me. You know, nowadays we can't do anything without looking at a YouTube video, like whatever it is. Yeah, how did nixtamalization come? I'm so fascinated by it. Well, so uh, just to add, because uh, you, your, your excitement about corn, you know, was transferred to me. So I've researched. So Christopher Columbus was the first person to bring corn back to Europe, right? And because this is a beautiful metaphor, he didn't ever ask anybody how you should cook it. So thus, they never nixtamalized it and pellagra developed and killed over 100,000 people in Europe. You're literally telling my story. Like, this is what I tell people. Like, when they're like, "Ah." like, when you don't get the nixtamalization on the first time, I was like, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a real story. His name, I don't even call his name, you know, I say it's CC for the same fact of the sensitivity of people that might, you know, like get enraged. So I just say there's a guy by name by CC, you know, he discovered the Americas. You guys can figure out who it is. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, oh, what do you do with everything you don't fully understand and this uh, cultural appropriation? He takes this corn, takes it to Spain, look what I brought you. And then everyone starts dying of polarity disease because he didn't study what the <laughs> hell we we're doing with it. Like, you ever see gremlins? You ever seen the movie yeah, Gremlins? I, I haven't seen it in a while, but but, it, but it's the same concept. You get this foreign thing, you're like, oh, I'll feed it after midnight. What do they know? You know, it's just like fucking tragedy and chaos ensues. You know, yeah. um, it's it's not funny that people died, but it is a humorous cautionary tale about not pretending like you know it all. Exactly. Yes. Agreed. I mean, you know, I know how people feel about him. I feel about him as well, but. Uh, that's why I don't really dub his name, but it's just funny when you don't fully understand something. And this is the thing that's happening, not with just, you know, that, not that just happened with corn, but it, we're seeing it now with agave spirits that you're seeing these, whatever, Americans or foreigners, quote unquote, coming in and, you know, you hear them say Tabalese and Kuishi and they like, they don't know how to say, they don't understand it, but yet they're selling you this agave juice. It's like, geez, like, oh my God, what is going on, right? Yeah. And so even someone like Dr. Ivan Saldana, like he's from Jalisco, he's Mexican. And he, when he created Montelobos, he didn't want to get the agave from the land. He wanted to cultivate it because he said, that is not my agave to take. I am not an agavero. I'm not a mezcal, you know, I, I wasn't a mezcalero, but I'm not in that family. I just love it. So let me cultivate it from the beginning. And you're like, like, that's when I was like, Jesus Christ, you're a genius. Even an own person from Jalisco did not want to get his own agave because they weren't his to take. And so when it, because I always consider Dr. Yvonne at the helm of innovation in spirits. Now, what's, what's the strange thing is about Abasolo too is the, the fact that 
and I'll do a little bit of the sales pitch for you maybe, but <laughs> normally with American whiskey, you don't, I talked to Jared Hempstead from Balcones about, about doing corn and nixtalize. And we were talking about some of the components and stuff. They just don't, we don't do it like that in the States, you know? And so the fact that some, so for Dr. Yvonne to innovate, he has to recall a process that's over 4,000. I've said, I've read 8,000 years old too, depending, but go into the past to get to the future. That's what the hell. I know. Yeah. And that's the beauty of Ivan. It's like, for us, it's, it's, you know, we could just, okay, we have this great corn, cacao simple, we distill it, we have whiskey, like, done. Exactly. He's like, wait, 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 how do we respect it and how do we get more flavor out of this? And so he always takes it a step further that that's his beauty. He's, you know, I think you might have said this too, he's always the smartest man in the room, but the most humble. Yeah. Um, and I truly believe that. So he's just, and, and his feedback, when he talks... He's like, enough about me. Please tell me what you guys think. Like, he's always like, I want to know what you guys think. Like, enough about me. He has that sense of hospitality in him too. And so he's always just thinking a step further, a step further. And how can we do this? And anything that I thought of or that I'm like, you know, when, when we when we chat or we're at the distiller, you know, hey, Doc, you know, like, what about this, this? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought about it. We did it and it didn't work. And you're like, okay, like, you already thought of it. Like, I don't yeah. even know why you're speaking right now. When, so when did you know it was the right match? to pair up with Casa Lindre? Um, So uh, Camille Austin, which you know very well, she reached out to me, um, La Loba, shout out. And um, and so she, you know, she reached out. She said, we were launching a new product uh, in the future. It's going to be a Mexican whiskey. She didn't tell me the name or anything. She said, I know you're working for a tequila company and I know you're a beverage director at a restaurant. Just let me know if this is something that interests you. If not, no worries. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I will always say yes to everything. I like to hear you out, yeah. even if we already have something going. And so we just chatted right off the bat. We kicked it off. We had a good relationship. You know, what do you drink? She, you know, she's asking me questions like, what do you usually drink? Like, I drink agave spirits. That's my jam. Um, and my second favorite would probably be, I mean, it is whiskey. That's just my order. And so you're just talking and we had a couple conversations and then kind of moving up the ladder. And that's when I started uh, researching a little bit more about Casa Lumbre. I obviously already knew Montelobos and Ancho Reyes, but I didn't know like the ethos and the company um, as a whole. And once I started reading, once I started reading up on Ivan, I was just like, man, this is a great company. It's family owned. It's small. They're doing things that are new and innovative. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm in, I'm into it. And um I had decided as a as a company, I'm in. I would love to work, but I'm not gonna say yes until I taste the spirit. And until I tasted Abasola Nixta, then I was like, stamp up of approval, let's let's do it. Yeah, it's a it's a delicious thing. The I think you have to have both. I think you have to have Nixta and Abasola to understand them. I think you 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 mentioned that. Yeah. And there is no other way to get the dynamic nature of the flavor of that corn, which it's, uh, is it a hundred percent cacao essentially? It's 100% cacao simple. We malt a percentage of the cacao simple, but yes. And Nixta is also hundred percent. It's just at a younger stage in its life. It's tender cacao simple. Gotcha. Okay. Which that's a really beautiful corn for, the, for those of us who haven't had the chance to taste it and work with it. What makes that particular corn so special? Well, it has a lot of, uh, starches in it as well um the the chemical compound it has a lot of air or room to breathe in the corn and so there's uh depending on who you ask there's around 30 
31 to 42 ancestral corn varieties. And out of those, we experimented with 15. And out of those 15, after various experiments, it always landed back on cacao simple. And again, the, the whole um, idea of it was flavor. We didn't really care about yield. I mean, yes, yield is a, is a pro, but flavor was the most. And the cacao simple always won. Once cacao simple um, landed on that, just because of how it reacted, how it tasted, um, the, the location of it, Nevado de Toluca in Calimaya. So that's where, okay, we've decided on the corn, like we're going to put the distillery close to the farmer. So that's why our distillery is in Gilotepec. Used to be called Gilotepec de Abasolo, now Gilotepec de Molina Enriquez. It, I mean, travel-wise, it's about 35 to an hour, depending on traffic and mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this corn doesn't, it only grows above 6,500 feet in elevation. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it only grows above 6,500 feet in elevation. Um, and so... Our elevation at our distillery is eight, almost 8,000 feet, but that's why it's because we're over there. So it's a high growing corn. And just like anything, um, I mean, this is my idea of it, but uh, when you find any herbs or, or, you know, whether that be chamomile or thyme or lavender or any of these herbs, the higher the elevation, harder, you know, they struggle. And so the ones that do grow usually tend to be more flavorful. Yeah. So I, I take that aspect and I like to think that that's what cacao simple, why it's so flavorful as well is the higher elevation. It only grows at that elevation. That is why it's a little bit more flavorful. And that's just my ideology, but I could be right. I, no, I think you're, the struggle is real. Cesar. Yeah, <laughs> nice. the, more, the, the more that something gets strained, you know, this flavor just compounding and concentrating. And, you know, one of the things I just, and, and I, I always had to kind of stop sometimes and say, do people really give a shit about corn? And you know what I'm going to say right now? I don't care if they don't, but they should, right? Because it is just a beautiful thing. And it is so varied. And the thing that's lovely about the Kakawas and Blaze, it's, it's just so wide. It's almost like double barreled. You know yeah, I mean? huge. And, and did you ever use it? I, I, I hear that it's the, the Pozole King. Yes, uh, it's, the, it's the hominy corn you find in Pozole. So I usually ask people, have you had cacao asinta? And they're like, cacao, what? Like, what? I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. And then you go, have you had Pozole? Oh, yeah, I love Pozole. Well, that, you, then you have had cacao asinta, you just didn't know it. And so that hot broth actually kind of popcorns it, so it looks a little bit wider, a little bit bigger. But it is big. I mean, it, the, the reason why it's called cacao asinta, the Nahuatl word cacao, meaning cacao pot, because it resembles a white cacao pot, you know, oh. like chocolate, and simple dried corn on the cob. So cacao a simple. But cacao is big. Like if you really look at cacao pods, you open the green pod, open it up, and then it's this white fleshy meat. That is why it got dubbed cacao a simple. That's crazy. See, man, you would be learning some things. About <laughs> um, but yes, it's the pozole king. And that's actually the reason why we were... You know, sadly, with with some of these uh, ancestral corns, they're going extinct because they're being forgotten and things like that. Um, but um, cacao simple was never really in danger because of pozole. Oh wow! That's so- a pozole and tradition, and and everyone eating the soup. They they were making cacao simple specific for pozole. We're the only ones that are making a whiskey out of it. That's that's so interesting to me. I, I was talking to the guys at Iron Root Distilling, which is in Denison, Texas, and they have, they're using, I think, they didn't confirm it to you, but the Olatillo Morado, which is a okay. beautiful purple corn from Oaxaca, typically corn in Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, get, it's getting there. You know, these beautiful ancestral and heirloom corn varietals are, I think, finally kind of peeking their heads into American whiskey, which, yeah, I don't, I think that's a good thing. Do you, how do you feel about that? 
I agree. I think it's something. Di- I think you know, not not only with those, but you know, uh, balcones, Abasolo, uh, Sierra Norte, and, and Pier de Almas, and all these things. They're all they're all great because they're they're getting away from the the GMO yellow debt number two. Yeah. Right. So as long as we can keep that, it'd be the same. It'd be a very boring world if there was only tequila and no mezcal, right? If only tequileña, whatever blue was the only one you can use for everything. I mean, it would be boring. So the fact that people are stepping away and choosing other corns is beautiful and ancestral corns and from Oaxaca and Guerrero and all these places, that's a beautiful thing. And it's going to create variety. It's going to be sustainable in the sense of actually having these crops survive. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and hopefully... You know, Abasol is the first one to ever use the process of maximization, but hopefully that inspires others. Again, we are not, you know, Ivan is an open book, just like me. It's not like, oh, we're not going to tell you that. We're not going to, don't tell them this. No, it's all open book, please. So hopefully this maximization hopefully opens doors and people want to use that process or some other ancient process that we forgot about that we, or that we overlook. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing about y'all, you, Camille and Yvonne. It's so transparent. Parent, you know, I asked Yvonne about certain malic acid compounds and it, a real Yvonne question as I was trying to understand the reduction of fructans and agaves. But anyway, <laughs> but he, yeah. he recorded me like f- fucking beautiful messages on Instagram that I still have. I'm like, oh, this is like a little excerpt from a thousand page book that I just didn't have to sort through. Yeah. And I, and I love that, that he has that kind of level of knowledge. But one of the things I was going to ask you, because I'm so curious how this flavor is at a higher proof, 43%. I mean, it, easy drinking for sure for the Abasola, but have you had something higher? I, you must have that was at a higher proof. Yes. Uh, so when I visited the distillery, um, we were walking around. And so we started tasting all the little experiments that Yvonne had. Uh, one of them was... Um, I think it was a total of 108 or 110. It was high up there and it was delicious. And we just had a little bit with ice and it was fantastic. But um, he was experimenting with just completely new oak. And so he's like, taste this. Careful, it's a little boozy, but, you know, try and we try and I'm like, that's good. He's like, but do you taste the corn? And I took a second sip and I was like, no. And he's like, exactly the problem. We need to not lose this corn. So that's the whole focus is that you, we could build something that's 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 years, yeah. but then it just becomes another whiskey with an older age statement that people think older is always better. And it's not necessarily that case. All right. So I got a couple questions left for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you all plan on releasing a higher version or a higher proof of the Abasolo? We plan on releasing an older age statement um, in the future, but also we've been talking about going the opposite and releasing an ordinario. Oh, okay. So um, the ordinario, um, when you come to the distillery, obviously you're on the top of the list. Ivan loves you, Camille loves you. So me actually being on this podcast, like once again, thank you, but I feel like I've made it. This is me. <laughs> I, I feel like I made it. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. But, um, but no, but... Um, when you come out of the distillery, you'll taste the Ordinario right off, like the first distillation. And man, it's so good. The only reason we do a second distillation is higher proof to go into a barrel. Yeah. But that 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 juice is so delicious. And we're thinking of releasing that, maybe even just the white dog. The only thing right now we're focusing on a solo, a solo to be this, you know, 
two-year age statement, but eventually go a little bit older and go a little bit younger and maybe different woods. We have a lot of native wood in Mexico, mm. um, but we don't have any cooperage. Like we don't have, we never had that training. So maybe that's something we, we figure out as well. I think there's, there's just going to be so much room for innovation for y'all because it's such an interesting launching point for something that has existed and been cherished in other ways. And to your point, that whole pasole thing where you're like, no, you've had cacao I bet, I bet you've had it, you know? So I got one last question for you. You know, we talked about kind of shutdown and everything and our little personal struggles and all of that, but let's take it. I'm going to go music, I guess, with you. So let's say you've got some Abasolo and you can have a sip with anybody living or deceased, a musician, who would you like just to sit down and have a drink with? Man, sip of Abba Solo. Uh, man, I'm in between. I think it would probably have to be Jimmy, Jimmy oh. Hendrix. Or, I mean, just because he was such an innovator, another great one would be like Stevie Ray Vaughan because him being from Austin, like he, I think he would get it. Like the power of corn and, and externalization. I feel like I could actually convince him. Uh, <laughs> And then with Jimmy, I just, I mean, with both of them, I probably wouldn't say anything. I'd just be like googly eyes staring at him. But uh, Jimi Hendrix and, and Stevie Ray Vaughan, those are both very interesting people and very intelligent in their own way. And obviously self-destructive in a sense. Oh, yeah. But um, but yeah, that's that's a great question. I think it would be one of those two. It, that's pretty good. That's pretty prototypical guitar players. I know, I know. So that's the safe part, right? No, no, it's fine. Not, I'm not criticizing. I just say like, <laughs> I get it. I get it, says our you're a guitar player. I yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, to be really honest, Mitch Mitchell would be great too, which is also in Jimi Hendrix. But if not, it would be someone like David Gilmore to pick his Oh, brain. yeah, he's still alive too. Still alive, yeah. It's still a possibility. That's good. Well, you know what? Let's try it. It's good to have clear, recordable measurable goals so let's make it a pact to get you sipping some other solo with david gilmore yeah let's do it i'm in it's i have to write it on my whiteboard and really how do i get how do i get there <laughs> i love british people i've got playing friends so maybe maybe we can make this happen and i'll, I'll you know i won't join but i'll i want to no, hear you will join because you're the reason why i'm there <laughs> Fair enough, dude. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, and I'm, I'm glad that we get to do this thing proper. And of course, soon enough, we'll have a drink in person, I imagine. So hopefully at the distillery. Yes, exactly. If it's not in Austin or San Diego, it'll definitely be um, in, at the distillery. So I can't wait. Hopefully next year, everything settles down and uh, we can meet face to face finally. Absolutely. Cheers. So there we have it. Cesar Sandoval, you know, part of that Casa Lumbre team. Camille Austin, Dr. Ivan Saldana, a dream team of corn and mezcal flavors, knowledge, science. I mean, this is a pretty great team, and it's great to finally get to meet Cesar, even if virtually, but we nerded out, and it's great to talk about music and just talk about microphones, talk about that stuff that we were doing 10 years ago. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how strange it is to use gaffer tape to tape lyrics onto a wild turkey placard on your wall, or if you're thinking... I don't think I need any more coffee today. Please, keep dancing.